Today's guest is Julie. She's an ICF accredited life and business coach, trainer, and she's a keynote speaker. In February of 2016, Julie's husband and soulmate, John, lost his battle with cancer. His death and working through the grieving process has taught Julie the value of each moment and inspired her to share her experience and the lessons she's learned with her audience and her brand new book, Weathering the Grief Storm. This conversation with Julie was so enlightening about the grieving process and sharing her journey publicly. I can't wait for you to take a listen. Hey friends, you're listening to another episode of Slightly Unfiltered. I'm your host, Desiree Wool. I've got something to say, you've got something to say, so let's get talking. Thank you so much for coming on Slightly Unfiltered. I'm so excited. I love talking about this. The topic's not all that fun, but I love to talk about the process. And every time I talk about this story, I feel like it brings John back into my experience. So that's also really a blessing. I love it that our paths had crossed together. It's been, I don't necessarily want to use the word fun, but it's almost been an intimate experience watching your journey. I remember hearing the story about when you and John met and how, how you got married. I think you were there from the beginning because I'm so open on Facebook. I started sharing from the minute we met pretty much. So I think you were in it from the beginning. I think so. And it was really funny because my path had crossed with Chelsea, John's daughter. She was telling me the story about how they met. I hadn't put two and two together yet because I met Chelsea through a different avenue. Uh And so I go, who's your dad married to and she goes Julianne Jones I was like shut up this story sounded so oddly familiar so it was just it it was the universe like bringing you back around into my life again so it was really it was just really fun the way that everything all worked out and you just kept falling back into my life (laughs) yeah I know and same we have Dana Wilde in common and yeah yeah so you were really open in sharing your journey especially once John was diagnosed with cancer. So tell us a little bit about what that was like and how that kind of unfolded for you guys. I'm an extrovert anyway. I, my, my ex-husband, my kid's dad always says, if you have a thought in your head, it falls right out your mouth, which is, I've gotten a little better as I'm older, but my mouth has certainly gotten me into trouble in the past. So I think I, and, and as I was building my brand on social media, which I started doing in like mid 2008, I was an early adopter. Part of the technique I learned was share your personal life because then that builds the know, like, and trust factor. People get to know you. And I will say, I remember hiring a client about a year into that social media marketing journey who said, I really want to work with you because you're a single mom and you have just bought a motor home and you're dating somebody. It was like, I was more relatable. And so I was already sharing in that way. And then when, and like you said, many people followed our journey from the time we met all the way through our wedding, we got married in Vegas. I think actually, I think I invited you and you weren't. Yeah. I think I was traveling when you guys were here. We couldn't get together. And so when he was diagnosed and I also am a writer and have been since I was joked that some people I sing too, but I don't think I can make a living singing, but it's a gift that I was born with a God-given thing. I just have, from the time I learned to write, I've always been able to express myself well in writing. And it has become for me really 
an outlet for processing my emotions. My journal I've done what they call intuitive writing, where you just kind of close your eyes and let the writing come through you. And that's how I pray. It's just really been a huge part of my life. And so when we found out this diagnosis, which you never think is going to happen to you. So many people say, I just can't imagine. And I hate that because I want to say, yeah, neither could I. Yeah. As it's happening, you probably still felt that way. Of course. Yeah. It's like, this is surreal. And so I, I asked John how he would feel about me sharing his story. Cause obviously it was his story as much as mine and every single blog post I wrote and the book was taken from the blog. He had like first writer refusal. I would write it. <clears throat> I would either read it to him or he would read it. And he would say, yeah, it's okay to post that. Cause I didn't want to you know, infringe on his privacy. Although he was a lot like me, very extroverted. I started sharing from that perspective. And honestly, the blog really became a lifeline for me. I would, we would go through something and I would say, I got to write about this. And then I would go write a blog post. And, and as I started sharing that, and it was really personal, but I just, I never really have had much of a filter. So I'm really comfortable sharing my innermost thoughts. And as I started sharing, people were reaching out and saying, oh my gosh, this is like, I would have people who were going through it saying, you've written exactly how I feel, but, but I haven't been able to express or widows have reached out to me and said that I had a woman one time, I'll never forget. She said, you know, I followed your story from the beginning and we talk about you and John and your experience around our dinner table. And the other day, my 17 year old daughter said to me, mom, that's the kind of love I'm holding out for. And I thought, if I'm making a difference in impacting people in a positive way by sharing what's happening with me, that's just so much the better. Yeah. I think your story was so impactful because it was people who related to not just a loved one who was diagnosed with cancer in that journey, but you and John did have a very tight relationship. You did have a very special kind of love. And in every post that you shared from the very beginning, you could just tell. You would look at pictures of the two of you and it looked like you had been together since you were high school sweethearts. That's the feeling that people got when they were reading your story. So not only did you give people a a story they can relate to on the surviving cancer and having somebody going through what John was going through, you also gave them a sense of what true love looked and felt like. Yeah, agreed. And if you believe in soulmates, John was my third husband and I am remarried. So I've been married four times, but I always say one of them died. So that doesn't really count. And my (laughs) second husband was like, I call him my movie of the week marriage. I don't know if you were with me during that phase, but we were literally married for a year and he was, it was a complete shit show. And I walking down the aisle, I literally was thinking, this is a bad, I, what are you stop, run away. Don't. Oh no. I had my kid's dad and that marriage lasted 13 years. We were really young when we got married. Probably never should have been together, except we should have, because I have these two amazing six foot seven boys. And then I had the, you know, movie of the week. And then I stopped dating finally and did a lot of work on myself. And so when I met John, I felt like I used law of attraction. Like he was perfect for me. I always used to say he wasn't perfect, but he was perfect for me mm-hmm. and vice versa. And part of that was because he loved me because of who I was not in spite of it. Cause you know, I have a big fill up a room personality and no. I've been told my whole life, you're too loud. Could you just uh-huh. tone it down? And he never, ever made me feel that way. And so, yeah, I think people related to that love story. And it's interesting that you bring that up because about 
oh, I don't know, a month after he died, people were commenting because I kept sharing. I kept writing the blog. The second half of the book is what happened after he died for me yeah. personally. And people were commenting, but you shouldn't be sad because you were so blessed to have a love that most people never experience. And I actually finally wrote a post and said, look, I hear what you're saying and I get it. And believe me when I tell you, I absolutely understand how blessed I was. And not only that, but I was even smart enough in the moment to realize that and to never take it for granted. Mm -hmm. But right now, that comment isn't helping. That's why you want to just give them a big fuck you. You do really, seriously, (laughs) what the hell? You know what? No, I get it. Yes, I was lucky. Yes, it was amazing. And now he's gone and I'm sitting with all this pain and grief and you're telling me I should feel lucky. I don't fucking feel lucky right now. I feel like the most unlucky person in the world. Like who the hell would thank you very much, God, for bringing me this person who was perfect for me and then ripping him out of my life in the most horrible, painful way. It was a double-edged sword. And one of the chapters in the book is called My Grief is a Love Story because the hospice counselor who saved my life, and if you are going through anything and hospice is involved, they really, their work starts after your person dies. And their counselors are amazing because all they deal with is loss and grief. But she said, the more you love someone, the more you grieve that when they're gone. So it really is a testament to the depth of that. When you're sharing such a personal story out in the open, you talking about people giving advice and that kind of thing. How do you, how did you deal with that? How did you deal with the unsolicited advice, the advice where you wanted to punch someone in the face, (laughs) advice where maybe it was a thoughtless, something, somebody was rude or something. How do you handle that? How do you process that while you're still processing the grief that you're going through? That's a whole other book. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. You get a lot of unsolicited advice. Did you know that essential oils could have cured my (laughs) husband's cancer? And not only that, but did you know, Desiree, we said one time we asked this question because so many people told us, you need to be on a sugar-free diet because cancer feeds on sugar. And we brought that up in one of his meetings and his doctor, who is one of the top five specialists in the country at Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, Dr. John Thompson, adore him. He personally called me the day he found out John died and said how much, how sorry he was. And, but anyway, he goes, really, I must've missed that class in medical (laughs) school. Yeah. I was constantly getting all this advice about everything from standing on your head to stuff and shit up your butt. And I'm like, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and there were two, I know you'll probably remember these because I posted, I actually took a screenshot of the first one, which was actually more about me. But this woman from, I think her product was Nerium. She was a multi-level marketer because I, that's the industry I worked in. I was a trainer and I had a lot of those people, like 5,000 friends. And she actually messaged me and said, as a, it was a sales thing. She said, I am so sorry about your husband. I'm praying for you. That's how they all, those messages. Oh yeah. They're all, they're always praying for you, Julie. And then she goes, I just want you to know that I'm concerned about the toll that your husband's cancer is taking on your face. Shut up. Like record scratch. And then she said, especially around your eyes, you have, you just look very tired and worn out. And I know that my product could really help. And your face is your fortune because you're a speaker. So you need to pay attention to this. Get out. And I replied, I like my face just fine. Thank you very much. And whoever's teaching you to use this marketing method, 
is really steering you wrong. So maybe don't do it again. Oh my God. I want to throw up a little now. Oh my God. It was crazy. And then I, another, I also had a woman reach out and tell me that God had told her. And my husband said, you should have stopped reading right there. God told her that he wasn't happy with how she was sharing, how I was sharing our journey because I wasn't giving enough like credit and glory to God. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm pissed off at God right now. Like seriously, God reading my Facebook posts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you don't know anything about my spirituality because I don't ever talk about that on Facebook because I had this conservative Christian base of people. And that is not how I was raised Christian. I was raised Episcopalian. I, I went through a year of confirmation. I get it folks. It's just not where I identify anymore. So I was, I'm very private. And I actually wrote a post about it and just said, look, let me tell you why I write this blog. It's not to give glory to anybody. And I didn't even reply to that one. My husband was just like, you know what? Just go take a walk. So that's what I would do. I would take a walk. I would process with him. Sometimes I wrote about it. Sometimes I shared about it because my tribe was pretty fierce. Yeah. When I shared a screenshot of that woman's post about my face, it, I, I saw it in my memories recently. And I can tell you, it, there was 300 comments. I blurred out her name looking for her because it, it. Well, she's it, probably not even with the company anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how that happens? Oh my gosh. But a lot of unsolicited advice, a lot up until the end. And the worst part, the worst thing at the end last month was people were saying, here's a story of our pastor who had this cancer and he, we prayed for him and now he's healed. You just need to get on your knees and pray more. And all that made me say, feel was, wow. So what God doesn't think my amazing husband is worthy of that. Mm. Seriously, this is not helping me. Stop telling me to to give it to God and everything will be fine. Cause that didn't work out so well. Give it to God with the essential oils. <laughs> and that tea and yeah. the suppositories. Yeah. Oh, the suppositories. Yes. That would have saved him. Totally. Wow. Wow. That's just incredible. I think one of the things unfiltered women like ourselves, one of the things that we do have to pay attention to is what is somebody going to say in reply to my unfiltered honesty here? And it's not always easy. There's been times where I've gone back and I've deleted something because I just, not that I want to hide myself, but I'm just not in the mood to fucking hear the responses. It's interesting. We were talking before this. So I, I took a corporate position a couple of years ago. And when I did that, I thought, good, now I no longer have to censor everything. Cause I marketed on Facebook, especially like those people followed me and I just never talked about politics or religion. Cause I didn't. And I woke, I was woke. My liberal <laughs> friends were like, dude, you were woke. Cause I was pretty conservative. I was fiscally conservative, socially liberal. Once Trump was elected, the, the gloves came off. And once I didn't have to worry about not like I could ha- take back my Facebook feed. Yeah. I started posting. And the thing is, I'm a writer and I think, so I wasn't just like reposting memes. I was saying, this is my opinion about these social things. And after about three weeks, I started getting messages from people saying, I am just so disappointed in you. This isn't like you. This just isn't you. Why are you turning into this angry person with opinions? And it was like, cause I have opinions, bitch. That's why. (laughs) It's always amazing when you're a public figure of any kind. And you don't even have to be a public figure, but when you have a public presence, yes, how suddenly everybody thinks they know who you are. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, I'm still the same person, but now I'm the person that's sharing an opinion here and there because I feel 
like I have to. I have gay friends. I have young women friends who matter to me. And yeah, I'm going to speak out on their behalf. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it, it honestly, that I mean, we'll talk about that when we talk about the whole unfiltered piece of this, but you know, I'm definitely <laughs> different now. I love it. I love it. Anytime I see a woman who can be unfiltered, whether I agree with their opinions or not, I'm clapping for you. You just, there you go. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm still it. not brave enough to, to use the F word on social. You are. And I respect that. Yes, but yes. that's still, my mom reads my posts. So I'm still not quite there. It's the one that encourages me. So that's where I get that I from. It. I remember though, the first time that I sent out an email to my list of network marketers, I had a list of about 5,000 people I, and I emailed. And I remember the first time that I dropped the F-bomb in an email, <laughs> the response that I got. I'm sure. Did you know that because I use the F word that I'm a horrible mother to my daughter? Oh, that, that and I'm sure, I'm sure that also makes you a, a heretic. And yes. yeah, you know, yeah. you probably do drugs and, and all of those things. Yes, for because sure. I said- You have that. tattoos, you probably have tattoos. Yes, yes, I, I have 10 of them. <laughs> There you go. How dare me? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Julie, I want to talk a little bit more about your journey through the book. I don't think we talk enough about what happens after the fact. And I love that you, this, the second part of your book, I love is you didn't go crawl in a hole because you're now a widow. I love that you continue to share your journey and you found love again. And I think that's amazing. And I can't wait until one day until I can meet your man, because he just seems like a total honey. And what a good catch that he, and maybe he's not okay with it, but he seems to be okay with that. You continue to share your journey and you don't hide your love for John still exists. No, he has to be okay with it. Yeah. So first of all, I will say that I wanted to crawl in a hole every single morning when I woke up alone in our bed there's this moment, there's this like moment when you first wake up before you're fully awake, when you forget, and then you completely wake up and it's, oh shit. Yeah, that's right. I'm alone. And all I really wanted to do for the first, I don't know, three months was pull the covers over my head and hide. But I knew it was almost like John was standing next to the bed going, nope, you get your ass up and do something today because this is not who you are. And I will not be responsible for this. And that grief was so, when you lose a spouse, it's, I know that any loss is devastating, but when you lose a spouse, your entire life dies with that person. Because if you have a good marriage, like we did, you've made plans through your life. And that person is an integral part of every single one of them. Yeah. And now I literally woke up the morning after he died and went, oh shit, what am I going to do now? Everything I had planned, he was a part of, and we did talk because he had cancer we did talk a lot about what he thought I should do. And like, he thought I should move to Vancouver, Washington, which I did. And so I felt like we made plans together, but the only reason that I kept going was because I, it was his legacy. And I knew that he would really be pissed if I hadn't done that. And also I had, he has two kids who are like my kids and I have two boys and the one or two instances when I literally was in so much pain, I thought, I just, I don't want to be here anymore. That was what stopped me because I would never do that you know, to my kids. So I, I think the writing piece of it again, helped me really process. And it's why I kept sharing because once I wrote it out, it was like vomiting those emotions out and the thrive process that I identify in the book really 
that's where I really discovered that more than anything. I used it when John was sick, but really after he died was when that sort of came out. And I really processed through in a really strategic way. And I'm lucky, I think, because I've always had the life view that everything that happens in your life is there to teach you. And I look at things through that lens as much as I can. And he said the week before he died, it's not a mistake that I married a writer and that then I got sick because you've been able to take this horrible thing and turn it into something that will help other people. And you should write a book. And that definitely was a big part of, of why I kept writing and I kept sharing and the book wasn't ready to be written until I got through and Mark. So John told me that he was going to send me the perfect person. And honestly, the week before he died, when he said it, I was like, ew, seriously. Yeah. I don't even want to go there. Yeah. I'm never going to love anyone else. And he's like, no, you are a partnership person. You're going to repartner probably sooner than anybody thinks you should and fuck them do it anyway. And I'm going to send you the perfect person, but I'm going to send you a few fun ones first. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't know if you remember, I, I dated a few doozies before I met Mark. And there was one time I was dating this German guy and he wasn't very nice. And I remember like literally going, I hope that you're having fun. And like looking up, John, I hope you're having fun up there because this is not fun for me. But I really think what those first few relationships after him taught me was not to settle and what I was worth. And when I met Mark, I said to him almost from the very beginning, there's going to be three people in this relationship because I'm still deeply in love with my late husband. And I talk about him all the time. We have pictures all over the house. He's a huge part of my life. And I will not stop doing that. And I dated one guy who was like, you're pining away for your dead husband. You need to get over it. Okay. You're not the one. You need bye. to get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bye. Yes. Well, from the beginning, he knew that. And he, uh, his response to that was, why would I be threatened by a dead guy? No offense, but it's not like he's coming back and it's not like you only have a finite amount of love and I need all of it. And he's said more than once. It's so weird because I feel like I are, I like John. And if, if he did come back, I'd want to be his buddy. And I know that put you in a really weird position, but he has been amazing. And I tell him all the time, awesome. it's a miracle that you're like this because not most men or most people would be really threatened by that. And he just, he never, ever once has ever made me feel anything, but totally supported. That's incredible. I love that. I just want to go back to what John had, John had told you about you're a partnership person, because I think as somebody on the outside, because you, I have, I have another friend actually from the network marketing industry who lost her husband. His death was very sudden. It, he had a brain aneurysm and, and died within minutes and had, they had no idea that anything was wrong with him. And I've been watching her journey as well. And I'm not physically close to either of you. So I only get to watch it through the social media and the, the private messages and that kind of thing. And I have seen some people where it's, oh my gosh, it's only been two years since her husband died and she's dating again, or she's remarried or, and I think it, people are so quick to, you didn't grieve long enough. And I've learned that grieving, it, it's, it is different for everybody. I, I have an ex who committed suicide. And it would, even though years had gone by and, and we were no longer that close, they were still in my life. They were still a part of my life 
and they knew my family and my kids and all that kind of stuff. I still have waves of emotion where I'm driving in my car and I just break down crying and can't believe it. I think reframing it to a, you are a partnership type person feels so much more than she jumped into another relationship. And I, I love that reframe of it because even when there's not death or losing a spouse involved, you sometimes look at people who have married several times. They're just relationship people. And I love the reframe of that. To me, that feels like it's so much more like that's how they love. And I love that. <laughs> well, I mean, and, you know, of course, and, and he nailed it. And I will say that just pisses me off when I hear stories like that. And it happened to me. People who are sitting at home with their very alive, still breathing and loving them husbands telling me, and they weren't even brave enough to tell me it was like through a third party, a friend of mine, I'm, we're worried about, don't you think it's too soon? Cause I started dating with him four months and John told his daughter, I think she needs to get back on match. And that's what she's going to do. Cause that's where we met. And that's where I met Mark too. You guys through a lot of toads. I mean, it's like, seriously, my response was, you understand that my husband is gone. He's dead and he's never coming back. So how long do you think I should wait? What do you think is the appropriate amount of time? Because certainly that's definitely, I want to go by your timeline and what makes you comfortable. And I write about this in the book. You have to trust yourself. And do you know who Patton Oswalt is? Yeah. He's a comedian. I don't know if you know his story, but his wife, yeah. And he repartnered within, I think, a year and remarried. And they were just trolling him online. And he wrote a beautiful essay that basically said, you know what you should be doing instead of trolling me? You should be applauding me because I was brave enough after the most intense loss and sorrowful, horrible event in my life to put my heart back out there again and give it to someone else and open myself up for that pain potentially again. So I think I'm a hero. And I just thought that was, it was one of the best things I ever read. And that's my response. What isn't your timeline? And I did a lot of grieving with my husband. We knew he was terminal from the day he was diagnosed pretty much. So two and a half years. And certainly the last six months, we were told there's nothing left to do. Go get your affairs in order. And I watched him starve to death in my living room. And we, I grieved a lot in his arms. I cried every night for six months. So I feel like I went through a little bit of it. Not that that's an excuse or that it's anybody's business, but I think that's the thing. It, and you know what, Desiree, you're going to have that grief over your ex for the rest of your life. It doesn't go away. There's I, one of the things I learned when I was researching the book was there's mourning and there's grieving. Mourning is the outward expression of your loss and your pain. And that's what happened in the beginning, the first few, several months that you're mourning and you're crying. And there's a lot of that grieving is the internal way that you, that you process that loss. And that part never goes away. I stopped mourning after six months, but every once in a while I have a moment. That's why the book's called weathering the grief storm where I have a grief storm and it just hits me, you know, and It it doesn't ever just stop. It doesn't ever just stop. And, and it shouldn't, it's an ongoing relationship. I'm still, yeah. and that's why I told Mark, I'm in relationship with this other man and you have to be okay with that because that he is a huge presence in my life and will always be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think your book is going to impact so many people 
and I am excited to help get the word out and get it in as many hands as that I can. And I just think it's going to do good things. People need to talk about this. We need to get over the bottling things up and just getting over it. We need to get over getting over it. I had a very recent widow was a pre-reader and she weathering the grief You want to go to my website. She, there's a, her testimonials on there, but she said it's the first book that she found and she looked for books and her husband disappeared very suddenly. And same thing. She said, you know, this is the first book I've read that basically is real and validates my feelings. Doesn't tell me how to feel or what to do. Gives me permission to be who I am, feel how I feel, be on my own timeline. And she said, I, I have not found another book about grief out there that was this valuable, which I mean, that was one of the greatest testimonials. And I've heard that from a lot of people. I love it. I need to get my hands on a copy and I need to read it so I can continue to share with everybody how awesome it is. This has been so good. I'm almost too sad that it's time to start wrapping yeah. it up. I know. So how about we go into some rapid fire questions and wrap this up? All right. All right. First question. And I think I know the answer, but I just want to hear it from you. Who or what has been your biggest inspiration? Yeah, I have to say John, and that will continue for sure. I love it. What's one thing that really pisses you off? People who judge me based on something they think they know about me, that pisses me off. Mind your own business. What's your favorite swear word? My favorite swear word? Yes. Oh, totally. Fuck. I say it all the time. I'm a potty mouth. I curse like a sailor. I love it. But only in like certain company. Yes. (laughs) My children, because that would make me a horrible mother. Yes. Yes, it does. I hate to break it to you. (laughs) What is one piece of advice you would like to give to women everywhere who are listening? Oh man, don't wait do whatever it is that is your heart's desire now. Because one thing I know is life is short and you never know what could happen today, tomorrow, and the next hour. So honestly, I I lost all my shackles when John died and realized I'm going to do it. If if it resonates with me and it's a heart-centered thing, then I'm moving that direction. Oh, I love that. That's so good. And what does being slightly unfiltered mean to you? What It means being allowed to be who I am. Yeah, I just recently left a very stifling corporate job. And part of the reason I left was because I had to censor myself all the time. And it got exhausting. For many years, I was able to pretty much train the way I wanted with my own style. And then all of a sudden, someone hired me and said, train this group of people. And you don't have it. They they don't have a choice. They have to learn from you. You have to teach them. And moving away from that and back to who I am, I've really learned to say, you know what? this is who I am, the whole package. And if you love that, great. And if you don't, that's great too. I literally at almost 58 years old am able to say, you know what, this is who I am. I'm happy to be who I am. And I really don't want to spend one minute around people or working with people who don't get who I am. And not everybody does. I know that this brilliance comes wrapped in a package (laughs) that some people do not resonate with. I am fine with that. It's okay for me, it's just being totally allowed to be completely who I am, be myself. And if you like it, great. If you don't fuck off, that's fine too. I'm okay. No hard feelings, but I want you to go. Oh, I love it. Yes, absolutely. Give us your website one more time so people can go check out your book. It's a long one, weatheringthegriefstorm.com. And that's the name of the book. So And the uh, link will be in the show notes below. So please make sure that you check out Julie Kick's new book. 
Ah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This was amazing. I really appreciate that. I love talking about all this stuff. So thank you. just love you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Slightly Unfiltered. You can find me and all things Slightly Unfiltered at slightlyunfiltered.com or on Instagram. Be sure to go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Until next time, you badass bitches.